When I was in seminary, I knew a number of men who had come from jobs that paid them well, come from houses that were nice to live in, come from a very stable career and family situation to move to Fort Wayne, Indiana, or as we like to call it, Fort Wayne, Windiana, as the weather was most of the time, kind of miserable and gray. Also, they could attend seminary for four years without a stable job. Also, that they could probably get a call to a small Midwestern church somewhere that could not pay them as much or afford them the luxury they had once known. And you may ask, why? Why would a man do such a thing to himself and his family? But the answer is really simple. It is because no one likes to labor in vain. You can have a nice job and a good career, but if you are miserable at that job, if it does not bring you fulfillment, if your life seems like it's just walking on a treadmill, going nowhere, finding nothing for you to do in that life, then you will do whatever it takes to find meaning, to not labor in vain. The feeling of laboring in vain is extremely difficult. It's that feeling of being on that treadmill, walking from nine to five every day, same place, looking at the same things, doing the same things, and not having any fulfillment in them. And this can be true also in the church and in church life. Now, many people, a lot of people, I hope most people, do find fulfillment in the ministry of the church like those men. But there are times and places in the church where it's not that way. Some of you were probably born into the church, have been attending church your whole life. And sometimes, in some places at church, you can feel like, what am I really doing here? It's nice when people come, but people move away. We were just looking at pictures yesterday that we found when we were cleaning out the rooms from 2001 and all the people that used to be here but are not here anymore. And that can be sad. It can even be a little depressing if they still live around here but don't come here anymore. And it seems like the church has just gotten smaller and smaller over the course of your life. And there are less people percentage-wise in America that attend church now than it seems like they ever have been before. Or maybe it's that you're on the council and you get burnt out from having the same council position for 20 years. Or today is just another voters meeting and you don't really want to go, but the pastor told you you should because you're a voting member and that's what Lutherans do. And It can all just seem so tiresome at times. It can seem like you're not going anywhere, like things are not getting done. Sometimes even church life can feel like laboring in vain. So whether it's your job or whether it's church life or it can be any other number of things that you labor in vain for or it seems like you do. Trying to help a family member or a neighbor who struggles with some kind of addiction or some other problem. Trying to keep up with inflation. Trying to fight against that one sin that the devil keeps coming after you with and keeps tempting you with over and over again and you keep fighting it but it keeps Coming back, being that thorn in your side, laboring in vain. 
can just seem so pointless. It can make all of life seem pointless. And what's worse is not just when you labor in vain and something seems pointless, but what is even worse is when you're laboring and it's not only pointless, but then things seem to be getting worse on top of it. You're trying to help that family member or friend, but they keep relapsing. They keep going back to their wicked ways and it seems to be getting worse and worse. Or you're trying to keep up with inflation, but the gas prices keep rising and the paycheck keeps getting stretched thinner and thinner. You're trying to keep up with things, but you just can't seem to. You're like Elijah, stuck in the cave. You've done all this work all of your life. You've been working and working and working to defeat the prophets of Baal. You've been working and working and working to spread the gospel to the message of Israel. And yet they keep bowing the knee to Baal and Asherah. They keep turning away from their Lord. They won't repent. They won't sacrifice to him. And you feel like you're stuck in a cave. And you say, I, even I only am left. And what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Laboring in vain. It's how Elijah felt. It's also how I think the disciples felt, at least for a moment, when they weren't catching fish. And not catching fish can seem like a minor thing to us. If I go fishing and I don't catch a fish, I say, man, I wish I would have caught a fish. But then I go home and I just get a fish out of the freezer and eat it instead. That's not how it was at that time in the world for those disciples. Their livelihood depended on catching fish. Their families depended on them catching fish. Their community depended on them catching fish. That's why they say to Jesus, Simon, later to be called Peter, cries out to Jesus, Master, we've toiled all night and we haven't caught anything. They felt like they were laboring in vain. But the first thing and the main thing I want you to realize today is that it is precisely at that moment, precisely at that moment where you throw up your hands, precisely at that moment when you fall on your knees, precisely at that moment when you realize I've been laboring in vain or it seems like I've been laboring in vain and maybe things are even getting worse and worse that God can bless. In that moment, the Lord may bless you very mightily. So let's just skip ahead for a minute here. We're going to skip around the gospel reading today and look at what God does for his disciples. At Jesus' command, at the word of Jesus, and that's important that this happens at the word of Jesus, the soon-to-be disciples reluctantly let down their nets again, the ones that they had just finished washing, and behold, a great catch. A miraculous catch, a great catch of many fish. So many fish that the nets start to break. So many fish that they have to get more boats out there to help, that they put the fish in the boats, and those boats even start to sink. God rescued his people. When they were laboring in vain, when they had given up all hope, God blessed his people. He provided food, the food needed for his children. The same thing happened for Elijah. When he was in the cave, sulking over his labor in vain, and he says, Lord, all these years I've been jealous for you, the God of hosts, and now they seek my life to take it away, and I, even only I, am left at that moment. And again, we'll skip to the end of the story. What does he hear? 
He hears the exact message, the exact word that he needs to hear from his Lord. There are 7,000 left. You're not alone. There's still work to be done. Here's the work that you need to do, and it will be productive, and there will be 7,000, and you will be blessed. Your life is not over yet. And that alone, dear saints, should give you hope. This is the first and the main point I want you to take away today, is that the Lord does, as we talked about last week, the Lord does, in his time, in his ways, work all things together for the good of those who love him. He takes evil and works it for good. Your heart may feel otherwise at times. Sometimes in your life you will have times, whether in the church, at your job, in your family, you will have times where you feel like you're on the treadmill, where your heart is aching because you look around and you're walking and you're walking and you're walking, but you're not going anywhere. But remember what our Lord says in 1 John Chapter 3, verse 20, for when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. And so have hope, dear saints. Even when it seems like you're on the treadmill or that you're working but you can't keep up and things seem to be getting worse and worse, the Lord will send the food you need when you need it. The Lord will send the great catch of fish in the time that you need it. If you are in need, he will provide for you, as he does, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. If you are fighting against sin, he will provide the way of escape. If you are trying to help a loved one or a neighbor who is struggling, he will show you his ways of patient love. If you are lonely, there is a remnant. There is a remnant here sitting around you in these chairs of faithful people who love you and who want to help you and who want to be there for you. I can't promise what all of that is going to look like. I can't promise how that will happen in what time in your life. But what I do know is that God is for you. And if God is for you, what can stand against you? Who can stand against you? You cannot be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So have hope. That's the first thing. Look at disciples, look at Elijah, and see that the Lord provides. The second thing to notice here, almost as important, is that when what you need comes from the Lord, when the blessing that you need from the Lord comes to you, it might not be in the way or in the form that you expect it. There is no doubt that when the disciples catch the fish, it is a miraculous sight. It is an amazing sight that the nets are breaking and ripping and the the boats are sinking and the people on the shore are shouting. And it is amazing what the Lord can do. But let's back up now to the beginning of that story. What's the main way that Jesus actually came to help his children that day? What's the main way he came to call his disciples? On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Jesus came to teach. Jesus did not actually come that day to the lake to put on a big show to perform a great miracle. The main reason Jesus was there 
was to set out just a little ways into the water so that everyone could hear him and to sit down kind of farm style in a boat and to talk to teach people the word of God. He did not come to sell tickets to fill up the Lander Center for some big show where he could ask everyone for their money and try and find out what all their problems were and how he could help them. He just came to preach. That's all he did. He came to teach and to preach. It was not a miraculous sight to begin with. It was not some huge show to be marveled at. It was Jesus sitting there in a boat on the water teaching the people. And it is at that word, at that word that he taught, at that word that he preached, that the miraculous thing was actually able to happen. But the word is plain. The word is simple. And the same is true for Elijah. You can even see it more with Elijah, this reality that the nature of God is to work through humility. The nature of God is to not work through pride and through big shows and through spectacular acts, although sometimes that happens. The nature of God is to work through humility. And so when Elijah needs to hear the word of the Lord, what what happens? There is an earthquake, there is a fire, there is a great wind that breaks the rocks and the mountains in pieces. And when Elijah goes to look for God in those places, he's not there. Is he in the wind? No, he's not in the wind. Is he in the earthquake? No, not in the earthquake either. Well, surely he's in the fire. That would be like God to be the God in the fire to speak to Elijah. But he's not there because he works in a plain and simple word. And it's not till the low whisper, the low, low whisper that Elijah hears that he has to go out to the mouth of the cave so he can hear even more clearly because it's such a low and humble whisper. That's why it's okay if my mic doesn't work all the time, because I'm just doing what God did. Low, low whisper that you can't really hear all the time. He goes out to the mouth of the cave, and there is the word of the Lord for him. The plain and simple word. 7,000 left. There's still work to do. And so, dear saints, my advice to you is this. Do not think that when you are downcast... Or when you feel like you are laboring in vain, that you are going to need some sort of miraculous sign from God to make it all better. Or even that if there is something wrong with you, that you feel like there's something wrong with you, if you can't get over some sadness or some being downcast because of your feeling of laboring in vain, that if you can't get over it quickly and readily and be ready to go the next day, That there is something so terribly wrong with you then. But know this. The Lord works in his time. The Lord works in humility. Sometimes the ways of the Lord are mundane. Many times answers to prayer do not come from the voice of the Lord coming down like a thunderous voice that you would hear And you would know exactly what you need to do. But many times, answers to prayer are simply in the reading and studying of God's word at your home, in your personal devotions, in a quiet time where no one else sees. This is the same also true with church. When you come to church, when you come to Bible study, you do not come 
as is the focus of so many modern American churches today, to be entertained. That's what a lot of people try and focus on. But you should come to church, you should come to Bible study simply to learn, to receive God's gifts, and to worship, and that is enough. It does not always have to be something that makes your heart tingle, that makes your emotions go crazy with the love of God. Sometimes coming to church, coming to Bible study, learning about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, learning about Elijah in the cave today, coming to hear those simple stories, coming to hear that simple and plain word of God calling his disciples through Jesus Christ, a couple of fishermen on the shore that day through a plain and simple of word, that is enough. It is a good word. It is a true word. It is an efficacious word that does what it says. And that word, whether it be the most engaging sermon that you've ever heard or not today, that word, whether it be the most entertaining or the most dynamic Bible study you've ever attended today, that word is still feeding your souls. That word for you today, it still exhorts you, it still rebukes you, it still corrects you, it still teaches you, and most of all, it comforts you today. So praise God for his simple word today. This is the nature of God to work in a plain and simple word. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Jesus humbles himself when he comes to you. He humbles himself on the cross, being a poor man strung up outside of Jerusalem in a trash pit. He humbles himself in his word, being a plain and simple word for the salvation of your souls. And although it is plain and simple, although it is humble, for all of it, it is the power of God to save you. And so when you feel like you are laboring in vain, first have hope. Have hope because you know your Lord provides. Have hope because he always provides. Have hope because he works all things together for good. Have hope because the evil in this world, he is still working together for good. Have hope because your life is not a treadmill, because God is guiding your life, and the Holy Spirit is taking your feet and guiding them into the way of peace. And second, know this, that when that hope comes, when the blessing comes, when God's works and words come to you to help you in that time of laboring in vain, they might be simple, they might be plain, they might not be what you expect, but rely on that plain word because it is powerful. And finally, thirdly, I want to leave you with this final point, that when you are provided for, and when you have that hope within you, when your labor is made fulfilling by your Lord Jesus Christ and his fulfilling word, always be ready to give an answer to that hope that is in you. Let your labor then now be for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the expansion of his kingdom. That is the natural flow of these stories today, both with Elijah and with the disciples. That when Elijah is done sulking, and when he receives the word that he needed to receive, what does he do? He goes out. 
He goes out to anoint the king. He goes out to anoint the prophet. He goes out to continue to proclaim the gospel that he was given to proclaim. And the same is true for the disciples. Jesus provides for their physical needs. He gives them what they need so that they are not laboring in vain. But then, only then, are they then called to be fishers of men. He has provided for them. They have called on him as Lord. They have been fulfilled by his word. And now they are going to do something, labor in something much more, much more powerful, much more meaningful than simply fishing for fish. They are going to fish for men. And so for you too. When Christ has helped you through an unfulfilling time in your life, when he has showed you the way of his truth, when he has strengthened you by his word, when he has helped you through a time of financial difficulty, or when he has helped you through a time of temptation, when he has helped you help someone else, turn your attention now towards sharing that gift of comfort which you have received with others. You have nothing to fear. You know that your Lord will provide. Your Lord always provides. He does for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. He does for you. He always provides what you need. And so you have nothing to fear. Forget the rest of all of it. Be like the disciples. Leave every worldly concern behind. They left everything and followed Jesus. Leave all your worldly concerns in the hands of Jesus. That's where they should be to begin with. And follow him. For the world that we live in is a great and tumultuous world, like that sea that they were fishing in. It is a great and tumultuous world, like that land that Elijah was living in. But Christ has shown himself, Christ has shown himself powerful over the wind, over the waves, over the sea, over the mountains. This world is filled now so to speak, with fish who do not know that, who do not know their creator. But he has made you a fisherman in the sea, and he has put you in his boat and to the holy ark of the Christian church to keep you safe, to be a fisherman, to bring others into that ark, to cast out your nets, to put your lines in the water, and to bring others up into that safe and holy boat. And so cast out your net. He has put you in this place, into the greater Memphis area, into this blessed boat of beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Olive Branch, Mississippi. And so cast out your nets, put out your lines, and bring in the lost fish. What do you have to lose? You have already been provided for. You have already been cared for. You have his word. You have what you need. And may we all then enjoy this labor. Because once we have that comfort, once we have that hope, once we have that word, the labor is really not labor at all. It is not laboring in vain to cast out our nets. For the yoke of Jesus is easy and his burden is light and his labor is joyful. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen.